Hi guys, it's Maria here. I just wanted to give you the heads up. As we keep social distancing, we are recording our podcast through Zoom or Skype. Sometimes the audio quality might not be the best, but we're still trying to provide content and information for you while we're staying safe at home. And if you're interested in some Spanish content, please head to our website, elamission.org, where you can find our Spanish podcast. Bear in mind that it's not the same episodes that you would get here. It's completely different content. With that said, we hope you enjoy. We love you. So welcome, beautiful people. Welcome to Ella's podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And Maria is here as well. We are very excited to introduce you to our speaker. So a little bit about her. Her name is Chrissy Stilwell. She is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit What is Love. And basically, they, she changes lives through education on healthy relationships and dating violence. Christy, welcome. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be with you guys tonight, today. And thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this conversation. I, I would like for us to get started. If you can help us understand what's the scope of the situation you're fighting through what is love and a little bit about what is love, that would be wonderful, Christy. Okay. So I, I, I want to just acknowledge that, that that statistic, 60% of dating teens are in abusive relationships is, it feels like a very startling statistic. And yeah. it's, it's new data. So we just had a big national survey, one of the biggest that we've ever done before in the United States. And the results just were published in 2017 and it's still being reviewed. So you, this is not highly accessible research or data yet, but for people that are in the field or that are doing prevention work, we've had access to it. And what this research looked at was what kind of dating are our teens doing? Um, and then looked at some primary forms of abuse. So they looked at physical abuse, emotional abuse, digital abuse, and sexual abuse. And what right. they found in, the, in, in this research was that 60% of our young people, aged 13 to 18, who are dating, are experiencing or participating in one form of those primary um, abuse, abuse relationships. And Primarily what they're seeing is emotional, verbal, psychological abuse, but they're also seeing really high rates of sexual violence. And what, for me as an educator and for me as an executive director of an organization that's working really hard on the, on the prevention side of things, how do we really help our youth understand this new dating landscape? And I think that's part of the challenge is because the way that our, that this generation is dating is so different than past generations. And they have access, you know, literally immediate access 24-7 with each other. And this new landscape is really impacting them in, in very different ways. So in some ways they feel, they feel more connected than ever. And they feel connected to, you know, literally groups across the globe. And at the same time, we have a generation of young people that are losing their ability to have empathy. And I, I believe that a big part of that, um, that, that empathy, uh, gap 
that's happening with our youth, if 70 to 80% of healthy communication is face-to-face and they're spending so much time on their devices and Snapchatting and um, texting and this and that, so you're starting to see this really interesting curve of kids that are losing their ability to have empathy and then this really other curve where these kids are really experiencing high rates of dating abuse, anxiety, depression, and lots of suicidality. And so what this data uh, helps us to understand better is that, that, that this is really something that's impacting a lot of our kids and it needs to be a priority. And so what is love is working really hard to get that message out, not only to parents, um, but to schools where most of this abuse occurs, um, but to our young people, you know, really supporting them and helping them to understand the difference between unhealthy relationships and healthy relationships is, I think, is, is a big part of the work that we are committed to doing. Um, Maria, I think you make a really good point, and I think that's one of the challenges that we face with um, this new landscape. First of all, the parents don't know the language. They, they don't right. even know that when a kid, when their kid says, hey, I'm going to go hang out with friends, what that could mean is I'm going to hang out with my dating partner with mm-hmm. a group of friends. The fact that they don't even call it a dating partner anymore, they call it a thing, or we're just hanging mm-hmm. out, or we're just friends, yeah. or, you know, so I think for parents, there's this really big gap in them understanding this new dating landscape language and also a big gap in understanding what each one of those different words means and how that how that dating could impact their young you know their young person all right you want to ask that question again something about privacy yeah so i feel that parents would want to give their kids privacy you know they don't want to go through their text messages and post and read everything and just question them about everything so i feel like there's such a fine line between just not being involved enough and not giving them enough privacy this is where parents need to be a little more nosy (laughs) and and i mean nosy in a in a positive way and so Whenever I'm working with a group of parents, uh, first I'm helping them to understand what this new dating landscape language is so that when they do approach their young person, they're using their language. I think that's so important. And then the second thing that I'm helping support them in understanding is what are all of the different red flags or what are all of the different ways that this generation is being unhealthy with each other? And so... I think arming parents with the new information around this new landscape and what it looks like, what it feels like, how it can impact their young person, right? What we're beginning to understand is that dating abuse and kids who are participating in it or experiencing it are much higher rates of depression, anxiety, and suicidality. We know it impacts their grades, right? We know it impacts their ability to actually go to school sometimes. Um, so helping parents to understand that this is an issue that impacts most teenagers and that the dating landscape has changed. And so they really have to get to know this new language and then helping them to identify the forms of abuse. So helping them to really understand what this is, how they can know if their kid's in trouble and then how to start a conversation in a way that doesn't feel like their privacy is being violated or they're being disrespected or they're being talked down to instead of talked with. And I think that's yeah. 
that's the key to really supporting parents and having this conversation. Christy, could you share with us some of those red flags you were mentioning? How can parents be in the lookout for certain things so that they can start those conversations? Or if, and if you also have some tips for parents that don't know how to communicate about this, like how can they get started? Yeah. So some of the, the big sort of, um, so first of all, dating abuse, uh, isn't, uh, super obvious. So there's going to be other things that could be going on with this young person that will have similar characteristics. For example, they might have, they, the parent might notice that a great, you know, class that they were doing really great in, all of a sudden they're doing terrible in. Or they may notice that they're skipping classes where they never skipped classes before. Um, they might notice that they're um, dressing differently and that maybe they're not wearing as much makeup or they're they're wearing big bulky clothes or maybe they've stopped really hanging out with a lot of their really close friends. Um, yeah. Maybe they're getting text after text after text and that this person that they're hanging out with is just constantly wanting to know where they are and what they're doing and who they're with. So. These are all going to be indicators uh, for a parent to be on the lookout for an unhealthy, you know, dating that could be occurring with their young person. And to the second question around how does a parent approach this, I think that they just basically say, hey, you know, I want to check in with you. You know, I've been noticing a few things and be specific. Like, hey, I've been noticing that you're not hanging around with your friends anymore. And, um, you know, what, what's going on? Or, or have you had an argument? Or, you know, so pro approaching it through curiosity, I think, is yeah. the key when we're, when we're talking to teenagers, especially about relationships, because they are going to do their absolute best to keep this private. They're going to do their absolute best not to, um, eat you into the fact that they might even be dating or being sexually active. Like they're really going to do their best to hide this as much as they possibly can. And so yeah. another approach I think too, that I, that I like to um, coach my parents is approaching it through, Hey, how are your friends doing? Because sometimes it's easier for a young person to talk about their friends' relationships than it is to talk about their own, their own relationship. And so, Sometimes a parent can just engage the conversation with, you know, hey, tell me how your friends are doing and kind of keeping track of what they've said before. And then you can go back in and check back in and, and then use, use that kind of that distancing of, of talking about my friend's relationship that some of the things that you may be talking about with your young person might apply to their relationship. It's not an easy task. I know a lot of parents' first instinct is, well, this isn't happening to my child. Or, you know, I think that's a barrier is that a lot of parents are uncomfortable having the conversation. And the truth is this conversation needs to happen all the time in little doses. So it's something that we're, we're, we're always talking about. It's not just to sit down and let's have this big conversation about the birds and the bees like maybe our parents did when we were, you know, teenagers. It's got to be something that's a consistent conversation that's ongoing. Yeah, that makes sense. And how do you guys uh, bring this information to the public and to teens and parents? So what's it, that's an interesting question with what's going on right now because we're really having to pivot and really rethink how we reach more 
of our young people and our parents and our schools. What is love has been doing primarily since 2012 when we launched was we were working directly with schools because we know that that's where up to 87% of this type of abuse occur, occurs on school grounds. And so our, our main push has been for the last several years to really um, engage with school districts and with individual schools in identifying um, ways in which that we can support um, their healthy relationship skill building at each school site. And so how we've been doing that is through uh, educating their staff, um, their entire administrative staff, their uh, security staff, all of their teachers. So how do you know a student might be experiencing dating abuse? What are the red flags? How do you approach them in a really creative, kind way where the, they actually might talk to you and maybe ask for your help? And then how do you get them connected to community resources that specialize in this and that will, you know, immediately step in and really support this young person? Um, we do parent workshops where we offer uh, uh, workshops where one of our educators will come to a location and um, we can train anywhere from 20 to 50 to 100 parents at a time. And um, I find that that's equally as important. So helping our educators understand this issue is equally as important having our parents understand this issue. Uh, we engage in uh, campaigns, in-school campaigns and social media campaigns to really bring awareness to this issue and get kids connected to um, resources that can really support them whether they're in crisis or they just have questions about a relationship that they might be in. So those are some of our primary ways in which uh, what is love is, is working in our community to really change these statistics and really promoting this idea that each one of our kids is deserving of a healthy relationship. We have to be, we have to be more engaged in helping them to understand what that looks like that they believe they're deserving in it, and then getting them connected to resources when they when they get into trouble. That's beautiful. Christy, how long has the organization been around? So I've been an educator, I can't, this, this number seems wrong to me, but I've been <laughs> working in this field for about 30 years now um, and working with young people. I. You know, I grew up in a home with domestic violence, and I grew up in a home with a dad who hit and who used words in ugly ways and put fists through walls, and a mom who kind of sat silently while her kids were being hurt. And so I think from a very young age, this issue, from the time I was in my early 20s, I, I knew that this was something that there were a lot of other kids out there that maybe, maybe didn't grow up around the kind of violence that I did, but are still feeling really confused about what relationships, especially healthy relationships, look like. Yeah. And so for 30 years, I've really been dedicated to working with young people um, around building self-esteem, um, resolving conflict in a nonviolent way, um, building social-emotional strengths. And in 2012, I saw a gap in our community around um, prevention, dating violence prevention, and so that's when we launched uh, What is Love? And we are specifically, like we are one of the only organizations in our whole county here in Santa Barbara 
that we are specifically targeting the prevention side of things uh, around intimate partner violence, dating violence, relationship violence. There's lots of different words that we use to describe this type of violence. That's beautiful. How is your work and what is love funded? So we're a nonprofit, so all of our funding is through um, for, through grants. Uh, we have local foundations, um, county foundations, statewide foundations, even uh, national foundations that we apply to uh, each year. Uh, and then we also uh, have individual supporters, donors that um, support our work. So our entire work is supported by local foundations and, and private donations. What are the biggest challenges you guys have in terms of some programs that you think are key, but it's tricky to fund them? Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, and I will give you a personal example of what's happened just here locally. You know, we, um, a school district has 30,000 kids that they're trying to, you know, carefully take from kindergarten through 12th grade and to get them graduated. And there's always, you know, their top five or top 10 priorities. And that's typically where funding and resources will be allocated. And because dating abuse and dating violence and unhealthy relationships, I think it's not, it's a topic that's, it's a difficult topic to have. And I think that it, because of that, I think that it doesn't always get the priority that it needs, even though it impacts academic success and physical safety every single day in our yeah. schools and in our community. Um, but really elevating it to that, like, who this is a high priority. I would think that's probably one of our biggest barriers. And it's something, you know, I'm still trying to figure out. I'm still trying to figure out how do we, how do we take this and elevate this to, uh, hey, this is in our top five priorities and we're going to allocate resources, funding and professional development time around this issue. So that's an ongoing challenge. That's a good question, Irene. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, no, my pleasure. That's one of the things that we want to bring awareness to the fact that a lot of us that have the means to, to help in the fight, we don't know either with time or with money or with resources, there are ways to help and there are ways to help prioritize these issues. Yes. And I think something that's really important, I think, for the community and for parents is to contact your local school superintendent and ask them, do you have a dating violence prevention program at your school? Do you have a policy in place? Are you, is this a priority? And, and tell me what you're doing. Like, so really engage your superintendent or your principal, your school principal around what, you know, how are you being in compliance with Title IX, for example, right? Um, these are the kinds of questions that parents and community members can can take directly to uh, the people that are in a position to really elevate this as a priority issue. Um, taking it back to the social media part of this, I was uh, on YouTube and there are a few like Facebook, YouTube accounts of these couples who kind of like prank each other and they record the reaction of the other. And some of their reactions are, you know, would be considered a little abusive. 
And at the end of the video, the girl or the guy would be like, well, it just, just shows that you love me. And I feel like teenagers that don't know any better are looking at this and thinking, well, maybe that's why my boyfriend does it. Or maybe that's why my girlfriend does it because she loves me. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of this behavior has, has been normalized in this new digital age. And I think because this generation spends so much time in that digital world that, and again, if, if I'm face to face with somebody and I'm pranking somebody, I actually have to look at their, look in their eyes and look at their facial expressions and actually have that empathy and feel how that just landed on them. Yeah. But if I'm pranking over a device, it's so much easier to be meaner. It's so much easier to lose the intention behind, like maybe I was really just joking or making a joke, but it's it gets lost in that translation because it's through that digital platform. And so I think what you're seeing is this really heightened increase in young people who are feeling very hurt and ex having high levels of anxiety and even high levels of suicidality that are experiencing this type of behavior that you're describing. And this is one of our biggest challenges because it's, you know, this generation is, they, this is all they know. They've grown up with this. Just like in my generation, we didn't have computers. Yeah. Again, aging myself, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, we, <laughs> we didn't have this in my generation. And so this new generation, we, we need more research. We need more funding. We need a better and a deeper understanding about how, how this is really impacting and landing on our young people and, and what we can do to sort of bend that curve and, and, mm -hmm. and bend it in a way where these kids are feeling more connected, more engaged, more seen. Their social emotional strengths are improving. Um, that, you know, that's, that's the work. I loved how you said, Chrissy, every kid is deserving of a healthy relationship. Could you share with us what would you say are some of the key ingredients of a healthy relationship? Yeah, and Irene, this is something that I, every time I go into, whether it's a classroom or a whole school or I'm doing staff development or this is the thing I want to drive home. It's twofold. It's one, what is unhealthy and how do we identify it and how do we get young people supported? But the other piece is, and this is the part that I find is equally as challenging as with this generation is they, when you ask a young person what healthy is to them, they really struggle with how to answer that question, right? Yeah. And then when I start saying, okay, well, what does respect look like to you? Or what does healthy communication look like to you? Or what is, what does loyalty look like to you? Or what does kindness look like to you? What starts to happen is that, especially when you're in a group of teens, they'll all have different words to describe what, you know, or different definitions to describe what each one of those words means. And so when I talk about what is healthy and what is it, what are you deserving of? You're, what we're attempting to do is to, is to create a whole new narrative or a whole new dialogue or definition for each individual young person so that they can become really clear about what would be on their lips. And not only just the word, but what does that word mean to you? 
Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think we should all have a list. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a list. I actually have a list up in my bedroom. It's in my closet. So every morning when I'm getting ready, it's like my little reminder, right, of all of the things that I'm deserving of having. And and it's not only deserving of having, but I find that it, what what happens is that when you cultivate that list and you you really practice that list, then you start becoming those things that you believe you're deserving of. So it's really twofold. But just starting the list and helping uh, this generation really articulate, what is it? What is it that I really feel deserving of? And the sad thing, the sad for, part for me, especially when I first work with a, with a group of young people, is that they really struggle with that. But by the end of the, our time together, you know, I see this new awareness and this new kind of fierceness around, well, I am deserving of this. And that's what we want. We want to light that fire. We want to ignite that um, that passion around, I am deserving. And one of the things that, that we that we were wondering is, we know that the, the fight you're in can get sometimes stressing and daunting. And do you have um, a way in which you manage the negative responses from the work you do? You know, I, I haven't had a lot of negative responses from the work. I would say, I would frame it more as there's just a lack of a deeper understanding of the issue. And so I always see that as a great opportunity to start a new conversation and to create curiosity around this topic because I think every single parent and Every single auntie or grandparent, they want their young people to be loved in a kind way. I think that's a universal thing. Um, what the barrier is, is that because the landscape, the dating landscape has changed so much for this generation, generationally, we're having a hard time keeping up with how it's changed. And sometimes some judgment comes along with that. Well, that's not how we did it, right? That's not how we dated, or that's not how we treated each other, or that's not how we went on dates. Um, and so I think that's the challenge is how do we create curiosity around this? How do we bring everybody up into this new language and this new landscape without judgment? And then how can we be curious around how can we really support our young people? This whole, this new generation. I mean, what would it look like if every young person was taught how to love in a kind way? What would that look like, you know, as they grow into adulthood, right? We know that the kinds of relationships that they're having right now is what they tend to take with them into adulthood. So what would it look like? What would it look like if we had a generation of young people that had these skills and believed they were deserving of having healthy in their life? Like, that's the thing that gets me up every morning and gets me fired up and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, domestic violence would be a lot less, you know, it would make a huge difference in the future. Maybe not immediately, but with time, it would be a huge impact. Well, that's our goal. <laughs> our goal is if we can be on the prevention side of things, on the education side of Amen. things. Amen. Right? If we yeah. can give our young people everything they need, then we don't need domestic violence shelters or hotlines yes. or, you know, that that's... That's our goal is to create a community. And we start, 
with, you know, just our little neighborhood. And then we start with our, maybe our school. And then we start with our home community. You know, we, we want to, to begin at a grassroots level, but then we also want to take it to a, you know, to, to elevate it to a, a big national level so that this, this kind of, of education and this kind of prevention and school based specifically is essential with, with this new generation. They need it more than ever. Christy, what would be your message for those those teens or people really that are that are not feeling very very loved in their relationship at this point that they're experiencing some, some dating violence but they don't know what to do? What would be your message for them? So Irene, I think what I find a lot of times with young people is that they're so confused about the unhealthy and healthy piece that they even just need just that little bit of more information, whether it's a dating quiz or a trusted adult that can really sort of help them kind of unravel um, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. And once that happens, then... We, I always like one of the first things I always say to young people when I, especially when I do crisis support, is that it's not their fault. And I think that's a really important place to start when we're talking to young people about this because somehow they start to think, well, if I wouldn't have talked to that person or if I wouldn't have worn the shirt or if I, if I texted back right away, then this wouldn't have happened. This argument that escalated maybe into physical violence wouldn't have happened. And so they start to believe that it's their fault. So I think one of the first things is, is to help them to understand the difference between healthy and unhealthy. The second thing is to how, you know, it's not your fault. You're not alone. And I'm here to support you. And, and I'm, I'm here to help you get connected to people that are experts in this and who, are going to really support you in in unraveling this relationship and figuring out um, what you want to do next. So meeting them where they're at. I think one of the big mistakes that we do with young people is we minimize the relationships like, oh, it's just puppy love or, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, oh, there's so many, big, you know, there's other fish in the sea. And I think we really want to do our best to avoid that meet them where they're at and really uh, approach it as, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go through this together. We're going to figure this out together and let them lead. Um, the other resource that I really, really utilize quite a bit in all of our outreach materials, and it's a national organization that we partnered with, they have a crisis text line, 741-741. And what I really, really like about that resource is that uh, 24-7, uh, 365 days a year, a, a team can text in and a kind person who's trained very well and supervised by licensed clinicians will be at the other end of that text message and they will talk to them or text with them as long as they need to. And it could be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be about unhealthy dating. It could be, I just got no fight with my mom or my best friend's a jerk or I just failed my math test and now I'm going to fail ABC. You know, it could be anything, but they do specifically specialize in teen dating abuse. And so um, having a resource that's not only in a format that they're familiar with and comfortable with, but then having these 
you know, great trained experts at the other end that can really support that young person through whatever they're going through and then get, get them connected to local resources, local experts, I think is, is really, really important. That's wonderful. And how are, what are ways for people to find more about what is love and find you and your programs? So you can go to whatisloveteens.org and connect with, uh, connect with me there. You can also just send an, uh, an email to info at whatisloveteens.org if you want to get connected directly to, um, our, you know, our main office. And, uh, Basically, we've put everything and we're continuing to update the website, but there's a bunch of tips for parents. There's a bunch of um, resource materials that we've developed that have um, an infographic that really helps people understand the scope of dating abuse. Uh, we have a Is My Relationship Healthy quiz that uh, young people can go online and take. So there's a lot of resources on the website. and. We're in development right now for an educator portal. So all of the health uh, classes in the state of California are now required to cover uh, dating abuse and healthy relationships and consent. And oh. there, yes, is not yes, awesome. that's Wonderful. awesome. Yeah. And so this educator portal that we're developing would allow for them to go into the portal and then it will make that teaching um, and that access to all of our all of our research curriculum will make that access seamless for them. And so there's lots of great things happening on the website. And then also following us on social media. So one of the things that we're working right now with COVID, we've moved all of our programming to uh, a remote platform. And so we're doing Zoom uh, sessions with teens uh, and parents. Uh, we're creating new social media campaigns that specifically talk about how relationships can be impacted while we're um, physically distancing and how so many kids are feeling really socially isolated right now. And so um, engaging us on in social media, whether it's Twitter, um, Instagram, or Facebook, um, would also be another way to get connected to the work we're doing. Well, Maria, would you like to add anything else before we wrap? No, I just want to thank you for everything that you do. I mean, organizations like yours make a huge difference, and there isn't a way for us to even express how thankful we are for you. Thank you. I I want to just say I do this work because I think it's why I'm on this planet, and I need I need people like you who can amplify this message and and get the word out. And so you are an equal partner in, in changing this and shifting this and, and making this, this something that will benefit this next generation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, no, thank you so much. Well, Chrissy Stillwell, thank you for being here with us. What a pleasure to meet you. Now you guys know what is Love Teens. Look it up and we're, we're going to be sharing more information also in our, in our social media. Ready or not, here I come. Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come.